Hi, this is Donna Otto, and we are modern home makers. And we are talking about home. We're talking about home. I don't know about you, but the last days and weeks have really caused a lot of home thinking for me. In the last three days, we have seen what first started out as protests and turned into riots. My husband and I were discussing it, and he said, I hardly think that's a protest anymore. And then the next day, they officially graduated from being protests to riots. And we saw in our own community here in Arizona, as many of you saw in your communities across the country, a rioting in America, the lack of value for people's home and hearts was astounding. Where is your home and what is a home? And I talked the last time we were together that home is holy ground. And I ended with a piece of poetry that David and I wrote some years ago. Who holds this heart? You hold this heart. And I don't know where you are and where you're listening to this. And I don't know if you heard the first session in this series about home is holy ground. But this I'm calling this session, Home Begins With You. Have you ever said this or seen it on one of the boards where we're so used to having printed words and forms and all around our houses, sayings, plaques, um, wherever you are is home? Have you, have you seen that one? Have you ever said that to your spouse or to someone you dearly love? Wherever you are, I feel at home. Some of that has to do with safety. Wherever you are, I feel safe. So today I want to talk about home is holy ground, and it begins with you. And in a book that I wrote some years ago, I asked the question, what is home? And here was my response. Home can be an arcade, a theater, a museum, an office, a classroom, a laundry room, a restaurant, a garden center, workshop, storage unit, hotel, even a battleground. Which one of those words stands out to you? How can it be all these things in part, but none of these things are the essence of home? Home is a place of shelter. It's safe and it's warm. It's a growing place, a teaching institution. It's the first church your children ever see. It's the first seminary class they ever take. Home is a hospitality center and a mission field. It's a base for tradition and memories. It's a place to return with joy. Home is a place where God lives. This home, your home, is holy ground. And like in the account of Moses, will you take off your shoes? Will you take off your shoes as you listen to this time together as we talk about it begins with you Home is holy ground, and holy ground begins with you. Do you remember the account of Exodus in Exodus chapter 3? He is doing what he's always doing, and God comes to him and instructs him. And God tells us in Psalm 27 that 
unless the Lord build a house, he builds it in vain. And so are you building the house? Are you building it in the guise of what God is calling you to do? It begins with you. Your home begins with you. You are holy ground. And it starts with yes. It starts with a picture. And I offered this on our free resources. It's a stick figure house. I don't know what else to call it. You can make it easily. You don't need to take it off the website. Just take two slants and put a square underneath it and call it home. And then begin to shape it. How many of you have ever done a crossword puzzle? Not a crossword puzzle, a jigsaw puzzle. I, I'm thinking about crossword puzzles. I'll tell you that story in a few days, okay? But a jigsaw puzzle. How many of you have ever done one? A hundred piece, a fifty piece? I can remember when our daughter was born, we bought some wood puzzles. One of them was on the country in the United States of America, and in each state pulled out I could not wait to teach my daughter geography. I love geography. I love, I love geography, period. Puzzle. And then there was the alphabet puzzle, you know, A, B, C, 26 pieces in that. And they all had their own place. You had to put the A back where the A belonged. And then you graduate, and there's a 50-piece puzzle, and a 100-piece puzzle, and a 500-piece puzzle, and a 1,000-piece puzzle. My husband and I have done a 15,000-piece puzzle. One summer in a remote place in Colorado, the Sistine Chapel. It was five feet long or eight feet long and it had 15,000 pieces. We have no idea what we were thinking. But believe me, we needed the box cover. Okay? We need the box cover. Mary, the mother of Jesus, said, May it be done to me according to your word. It begins with you. Now, in 1945, there was a young couple. They were newlyweds, and they had a dream. And their dream was that they would build a house together. They found a small piece of property with a narrow but wonderful view of the Puget Sound, and they planned their dream house. Their dream was for a modest home with a two-car garage, an extravagant vision for that day when housing was scarce. But the plan was to work on the dream a little at a time, and so they began. Isn't that how you start a jigsaw puzzle? A little at a time. They bought the lot and saved for the house. They built the garage first, and then, in order to save money, moved into it, partitioning the space into two small rooms, and then, when the first child came, three small rooms, and then four small rooms. Four small rooms in your double garage. Can you see it? Do you have a double garage? Maybe you don't have a garage at all. Maybe you've been in a garage. 55 years later, the now widowed wife is still living in their little converted garage. For a variety of reasons, the dream house just never materialized. The trees had grown together and basically obscured the view. Yet as neighbors and relatives would tell the story that the small space had served the family who raised them, and to the daughters and grandchildren who traveled back often to the visit, the tiny converted garage always felt like a little haven of love. Later, at the mother's funeral, the two daughters marveled at how warm and alive that little garage had seemed during their growing years. 
Without the presence of their mother, the little space looked tiny and incomplete. With her, it had radiated joy and faith and energy and warmth. They had received large proportions of encouragement, grace, and beauty. That converted garage garage never seemed small to them. It always felt as spacious and embracing as the love that lived there. The space their mother had made so special always felt like home. Home was holy ground. I remember one of the stories that I heard from those daughters was with its tininess of space, the mom wanted every season to be represented in some way. You know, it wasn't just Easter and Christmas. It was fall and spring and Valentine's Day. And she had a small table. Everything had to be small in those spaces. She had a small table. And on that table, she would put out something, some decoration, some, something that represented that season. It could have been a small vase of tulips, but it was spring. And how these daughters had grown into the place of understanding what it was to create, literally, a home. But you, you yourself are the holy ground. That's exactly where the act of shaping your home begins. It begins with you, the woman you are, and the woman with God's help you can become. You may like be like me, who comes from a very barren background, one without affirmation, joy, or safety, and you may have fallen very short in your desire to create and maintain a wholesome environment, but it is never too late to change that. The redemption of God allows us to create beauty in our homes. I have hanging on the wall in my study a gift from a friend whose father made this for her. We don't know who actually wrote it, but her father hand-painted in Gaelic sort of script font these four sentences. The beauty of a home is order. The blessing of a home is contentment. The glory of a home is hospitality. And the crown of a home is godliness. I say to you that it begins with you. Building a home begins with you, whoever you are, wherever you live, whatever you do. And I think to build the kind of home that we're talking about that reflects God and beauty and contentment and order and safety and these grand and lofty words, hospitality, a home that is the picture on a puzzle. Maybe it's even a John Kincaid picture, the light in the window shining out through the whole of the property. That begins with your yes. Like Mary, who said yes to the angel, yes, I will do the will of the Lord. How can it be that the angel was telling Mary that she had been called? The first thing the angel said when he approached Mary was, all right, this is what's going to happen. Can you do this? He didn't outline the plan right away at all. He said, greetings, favored one. Greetings, favored one. Well, that's nice. Thank you. I'm glad to be greeted. I'm glad to be greeted and glad to be called favored one. But what did that mean? And I think that's how it begins with our yes to God. I think something happens within us 
there's a call, there's a conviction, there's a cry, there's a hunger, there's a recognition. You've read something, you've read a passage of scripture, you've been invited to someone's church. There's something that's calling you to say, yes, I want first within me to be like Mary and say yes. Say yes. Yes, I will serve God. Yes, I will put God's will, God's plan for me above my own plan. In Luke chapter 1, verse 38, Behold the bond slave of the Lord. May it be done to me according to your word. I remember Elizabeth Elliot. I think she wrote it in an introduction to one of my books. That the difference between Eve and Mary was Eve said, I want my will. And Mary said, I want God's will. I call that the big yes. People often say to me, well, how do you know that you love God and that God loves you? And I, I don't know for any of you. I know for myself, though. I know that there was a change point in my life when I had an opportunity to say to God what I call the big yes. The big yes. The big yes is like the first one. You got married, probably. He, you couldn't wait for him to say, will you marry me? And yes. And you've been married for how many ever long years? You've been saying a lot of small yeses, a lot of yeses you don't want to say. Believe me, I know that's true. I've been married for decades, and those decades have allowed me to say many other yeses. Do I always want to say yes? No, I don't. But when I do say yes, I'm glad for it. But it starts with the big yes, and the big yes is also the first surrender. People often ask me, well, serving God, surrendering, that doesn't mean, that doesn't sound like something that's a lot of fun to do. I have to tell you that I can't really describe it like fun or goodness or gladness. I want to say peacefulness. I want to say assurance. I was talking to someone recently. I think it feels like courage. It feels like I surrendered to the one true living God who has power over everything. And so now I have courage. And so I have many other yeses that I can say. There are many passages in the scripture that talk about this big yes, what God thinks of you. And I'd like to just acknowledge a couple of them. He loves you with an everlasting love, Jeremiah 31 and 3. You are his child, John 1, 12, Ephesians 1, 5. He made you exactly the way he wanted to make you. If you ever question that, read Psalm 139, especially the verses 13 through 18. He wants you to trust him to take care of you, 1 Peter 5, 7. Some of us grew up in environments where we did not feel safe. We did not feel safe, and we felt like we had to take care of ourselves. I grew up in such an environment. There was no one around to trust. I'm sad for that. It was um, my lot. It was the parents that God chose. And I look back on it now, many decades beyond leaving home, and saying how wonderful it was that God allowed these things to be in my life and then called me to do the kind of work that I get to do. 
We often end our shows with remember the common begin and the uncommon finish. I think when we say the big yes to God, which is the start of you, who you are, and what you are called to be, we say that surrender, we give it with such gladness, and it's the beginning, the common begin, but the uncommon finish. I do love the metaphor of the picture on the front of the box, and I hope that you will make time in very soon time to create a picture. What is the picture of the house you want to have look like? What does it look like now? What will make that house the kind of home you want to live in? The first time my husband and I did this, which was many years ago, the first word that we put, it wasn't godly. Our vision of our home, it, it didn't say Jesus or Bible reading or prayer or any of those things. It said laughter. It said laughter. What was the vision of our home? We wanted our home to be a place of friends and fun and laughter. We also put things like peace and God's presence and God's word and God's willingness for us to serve others. And we found that we could do that in our home because it was a welcoming home. What does a welcoming home here on earth look like? You know it if you've experienced it. It's a place of open arms and open hearts where guests are treated like family and family is treated like special guests, where faces smile and greetings and hands work hard to make things ready for people. There was always a little something set aside for visitors, a snack in the freezer, some space in the closet, an extra place at the table. The house is kept reasonably clean and ready, and the heart is kept open. Do you open the door of your physical home to people? Do you open your heart to people? That is the place where God is present and God rules, and God rules. A picture of the home. What does it look like? What do you hope for it to look like? What are the things that you can build? And it is you, a you for all seasons. Your home is holy ground because you are holy ground. As important as your roles as wife, mother, and homemaker, breadwinner, hostess, you are not defined by the roles you are defined by the Lord and your love for him. You are first and foremost you, and you are first and foremost you in him. First, we are called to be faithful and content in our present role. And secondly, God has something wonderful in store for you. And he gives to us in accordance to what we can receive, in accordance to how we will receive it and use it to glorify him. Not to glorify ourselves, but to glorify him. You are a mom at home. Maybe you have small children. Maybe they are sucking the life out of you. And you think, where in the world would I ever have time or energy to be that kind of woman, to have that kind of home. I think it begins with the big yes, but it also begins with little small practices. One that just comes to my mind, and maybe you don't know this about our shows, but I come prepared, I have an outline, I often have material I don't use because I try very hard to be 
inspired by something that comes to me as we're doing these shows. And I was thinking about a small practice that I began. I love to read. Okay. I think reading is just about the best thing there is. When I talk to you about reading, I can tell you that I created, you can probably find it online as a free resource, how you can read seven books at one time. And and that came to me because I, I'm always reading seven books at one time. And people say, you can't read seven books. And I said, of course you can. And you can because they were not all the same genre. Like they weren't all novels, or they weren't all self-helps, or they weren't all theology. But what are seven things you're really interested in? I promise you. Start seven books, but then stay faithful to your reading. And I can remember during the season when my husband's sister, who lost her husband very suddenly in his 40s, who had three children, she and the three children moved into our house. So we had two nephews, a niece, our daughter, a sister, my husband, and myself. There was a lot going on quite suddenly for a woman who had an only child. And suddenly I felt like I wasn't getting any reading done anytime because there was always something to do. Do you ever feel that way? And I have a friend who said to me, literally, where are you keeping your book? In those days, I was happy to get one book. I said, what do you mean, where am I keeping my book? Does it matter where I keep the It matters a lot, she said. I said, okay, okay, I'll bite. She said, you have to keep the book in your bathroom. Okay, now you're all thinking about when you might read it. But she said to me, I promise you that you are in your bathroom and you are there quietly and alone at least 15 minutes every day. I never clocked it. And then she divided as only she could. And if you're listening, I hope you remember this day. Dear Kay, you said if the book was X number of pages and it took so long to read 15 minutes a day before you know it and you would get it done. And I thought, that seemed so practical. It seemed like such a small thing. At the same time, it still was overwhelming me that I was not getting to read like I wanted to. And I began to do that. That was how I got swept back in to reading at a time that I had too many other things to do to really read the way I like to read, which is hours at a time. So where does it really start? It starts with you. And where does it end? It ends with you. Your home is holy ground. And so are you. You are blessed among women, and God has a plan for you and for your home. I hope you'll start there and carry it as far as you can. I hope you'll be able to say, whatever your role, whatever the season of your life, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Thank you, Joshua, for encouraging us in that admonition. I'm Donna Otto. This is Modern Homemakers, and we're talking about home in the pandemic endings with riots in our country. And I want to say to you that home begins with you. And the home that we desire begins with placing our life in the heart of God, where home is forever. Remember, the common begin and the uncommon finish. Go out and make it a very uncommon day of considering your yeses.